Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the True Crime Couple podcast. I'm Kay. And I'm John. We just wanted to take the time to thank everyone for sending us their emails this week with creepy stories. They were so interesting to read through, and it was great to see that there's so many people out there enjoying the show. Thanks, guys. This week's episode really only could happen because of you. We also want to thank Valerie Castro for joining our Patreon this month and sending us two amazing stories. Again, we want to offer our continual thanks to Justin Tinkham, Kathy Rodnight, Steve Meyerson, Angela Stiles, and Melanie Link as well. You guys are amazing and have no idea how much we appreciate what you do. Also, we have to hand it to everyone on iTunes. We got a bunch of reviews this past week and they were all five stars. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) We're so glad everyone likes what they hear and we're going to try and keep you as happy as you are. Thanks again, guys. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on iTunes. That little bit really goes a long way. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at True Crime Couple. And if you're interested in donating too, the Patreon page is patreon.com slash true crime couple. Any little bit helps and everything we get, we put back into the show. We're really trying to get new audio equipment to produce a better sounding show for you guys. Okay, so let's jump right into today's episode. I'm really excited for it. Oh, we know. (laughs) Oh, we know. So it's October. It's our favorite month. It's perfect. Weather's perfect. Creepy vibes all month. Horror movies all month. Uh, 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 And um, football as well. Football as well. (laughs) I love it. This month I'm watching a scary movie every single night. So far so good. But John wants to kill me. Um, No, I don't. But I will say this, though, um, just for the sake of me, if you guys have any suggestions for Kay, that would be awesome. So on Twitter, Instagram, um, even in an email, you know, just maybe give some suggestions of some movies that Kay might want to watch. He's getting a little tired of my B, my B-list movies. Oh, my here. God. <laughs> it's so bad. Both John and I's birthdays are in October. It's true. We're eventually going to get married in October. It's also true. So you can say we're slightly a little... Obsessed with October? Maybe obsessed, yeah. 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 Safe to say. (laughs) So in honor of this time of year, we wanted to spend an episode talking about supernatural stories that our listeners have experienced. And there are some great ones in there. But there's also some creepy true crime ones as well. Because really, what's more scary than living next to a serial killer? Um, nothing? (laughs) No, definitely not. Nothing at all. All right, let's get scary. Really? Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Our first story comes from listener Rose. We're going to refrain from using last names because we want to protect our listeners here. So Rose sent us in the following story. My grandparents pretty much raised me and we were very close. So I took it hard when my grandpa passed when I was eight or nine. My grandma would still watch me from time to time, but my parents wouldn't let me live with her anymore as she was having a hard time coping. She died about a year and a half later, and during this time, I started to get depressed. I was about 13, 
so a few years after her death, and I was in the shower. I started to think about her, just the usual missing a person. I got out and was drying off, and when I looked in the mirror, I saw her behind me as clear as day. She was in her pink jacket with white blouse that she always wore to church and was also buried in. I screamed and ran out to my mom, still just in a towel. I cried and panicked, and as I tried to tell her what was happening, she walked into the bathroom with me and told Grandma she needed to leave me alone. She was with the dead, and it scared us, meaning my family, for her to say hello, and I never did see her again. That's pretty creepy. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for your story. Yeah, thanks for your story, Rose. That was great. That's crazy. I mean, if I saw a dead relative, even, you know, dead relative, or any anybody for that matter, yeah. I would probably, if I well, if I just came out of the shower and I was in my towel, I'd probably slip on the floor and, like, die from seeing that, so. And from a heart attack. Yeah. Maybe what was happening was that your grandmother knew that you were getting upset. You know, you're going through a kind of depression and that you were thinking about her, and she wanted to check in and just make sure you were all right. Very possible. I mean, more like a, like a, like a soothing uh, visitation. Right. But sometimes those things but those aren't things as soothing are as they... soothing. <laughs> not as soothing as they really want it no. to be. Thanks so much for your story, Rose, and we appreciate all the great things you said. Okay, the next story we have is from Valerie. Thanks again, Valerie, for the stories and the Patreon donation. Yes, thank you, Valerie. Appreciate it. All right, so her story comes from Aurora, Colorado. Which is interesting because we know that area of Colorado was known for a lot of horrible things that have happened in American history. Like that area known for the Columbine mass shooting, but also the and the Aurora movie theater shooting. So kind of has given off some weird vibes already. But it seems like from what Valerie's saying, there are some urban legends that are there that are pretty creepy as well. Oh, really? So, as with most hometowns, there were urban legends you should you would hear here and there. Like that old Molly Brown house. She says, Titanic, anyone? Yes. Remember the unsinkable Molly Brown? <laughs> now gracing us with her presence on American Horror Story. Except for not this season, and it makes me upset. Yeah, definitely. Or how Cheeseman Park downtown is built on top of an old cemetery. Oh. Wow. Anyway... Out in Aurora, it can be pretty rural, as in just vast amounts of plains, barely any trees, and lots of tall grass and plenty of dirt roads. This is an old Native American territory, I believe once inhabited by the Arapahoe tribe. Aurora is in Arapahoe County. The Kiowa Creek is an old dry bed that Third Bridge is near as well. There was a common story at the time about a place out east called the Third Bridge. At 16, my friends and I heard rumors about what would go on at the Third Bridge once you were driving out east. You heard rumors of red eyes and rearview mirrors or whispers or how you could hear Native American drum beats because it is so dead quiet out there. There was also rumors of teens getting into accidents out there and haunting the bridge. The stories even went as far as saying a school bus of children crashed out at Third Bridge and you can sometimes hear giggles at night or they would leave tiny prints on your car. I was 16 back in 1999. Since my boyfriend at the time had just started driving, we decided that with two other friends we would head out east and see what that Third Bridge was all about. Once we were about 10 miles out east, we approached the Third Bridge. 
Can I remind you that I didn't believe in anything paranormal at this point? My boyfriend stopped the car. He and his friend got out and I stayed in with my friend. First thing I noticed was how dark and desolate and quiet it was out there. My boyfriend and his friend wandered off a bit down the road out of view. As I sat in the car with my friend, I started hearing a low humming, almost buzzing noise. It got louder and louder until it felt like it was in my ear. I asked my friend if she heard what I did, and she looked at me like I was crazy. Then I realized that the sound was moving around me in a circular motion. I became very alarmed when my friend said to me, Okay, what's that noise? It sounds like it's in here. I covered my eyes because suddenly I felt vulnerable. So did she. Next thing you know, I see my boyfriend and his friend running towards the car. Turn on the car, turn it on, my boyfriend yelled. They jumped in the car and we attempted to speed off, but it didn't go very well because of the dirt road. It felt like we were going in slow motion. I looked behind us as we drove away and dark red mist covered the moon. Blood on the moon. Which isn't good. Practical magic? It means something bad's going to happen. Thanks for that, Kelly. You're welcome. That's where I might get most of my facts, practical magic. Okay. <laughs> Once we reached the paved suburban streets of Aurora, we started talking about each other's experience out east. My boyfriend and his friend both said they heard low whispers when they fell silent near the bridge, but nothing could be understood about what was being said. My friends and I told them about the buzzes and the humming that came from within the turned-off car. The next day, my boyfriend came to pick me up, and that's when we noticed scratches a lot of dust, and worst of all, tiny, small, dusty handprints on the trunk. Later that day, my boyfriend's friend showed us the bruising that showed up on him. It went up and down his arms like something kept grabbing at him. We will never truly know what we encountered on Third Bridge, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about how it made me feel in the end. Wow. It's a creepy story. Wow, Valerie, that's that's an amazing story. And actually, um, not to say, not to you know discredit your story but it sounds very familiar um with the clinton road um in new jersey yeah that we have up in west that, milford yeah um minus the children's handprints i believe i mean i don't know if there's any children there like children's spirits or anything but i do know that there's definitely well, there's eyes. supposed to be like a little boy that died there's by it, the bridge oh, that's right there's supposed to be a little boy he throws um, the penny back up at you correct there's yeah. also the the spirit truck that follows you. Well, what I think is really interesting is like this combination of hometown legends, like what Valerie just explains in her hometown legends probably is similar to what a lot of us hear about. So I think it would be interesting one day to do an episode on hometown legends and what people have experienced, because if there's one thing that's true about these legends, they're magnets for teenagers. So everyone has like teenage stories about, that scary place in town and what went on. Oh, I definitely, I believe her because th- there has to be something. What I find really interesting is that it wasn't just the guys who went out outside the car. It seemed like everyone individually kind of was going through something. So that's pretty creepy and really right. unusual. And that's also what makes her story even that much more credible is the fact that all four of them experienced something. something. The bruising is creepy. The scratches oh, on the car. Yeah. So Valerie's also going to send us in a second story. And this one isn't supernatural, but one of the true crime stories that we asked for. And it's a jaw dropper. So she goes on to say, I wanted to briefly give you guys some information about a man named William Bill Suff. 
I was actually born in Southern California in San Bernardino. Basically, a long story short is that this man lived in the apartment behind us in the early 90s. My brother, who was 22 at the time, would occasionally have a chat with Bill here and there as neighbors in passing. After Suff's arrest, my brother was on the local news. He gave an interview about Bill's character. And of course, he seemed, you know, like a normal guy. That's what my brother said. Aren't they always? That's a good question, Valerie. Aren't they always? And she is going to go a little bit further and send us some links, which was really great. So she sent us some information on Bill Suff, who is, a.k.a. the Riverside Prostitute Killer. And here's what she gave us. You ready wow. for this yeah, story? Let's, let's hear this, yeah. Ooh. So Suff's horror story begins in 1974 in Texas when he and his then-wife are convicted of beating their two-month-old daughter to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. Suff was sentenced to 70 years, but was released 10 years later in 1984. What? He was released on parole, yep. Oh, my God. So that seems to... Everyone's like, Texas, so hard. So hard on those criminals. 10 years. I don't think so. After his release, Suff will move to California and marry again, a woman who was 21 years his junior and live what appears to be a normal life. He was described as a loner, a nerdy kind of guy, like he was into Star Trek and stuff, who many neighbors allowed to babysit their children. They'd call him Uncle Bill. Wow. Oh, my God. If they only knew. Creepy Bill. From 1986 until his arrest in 1992, Suff will rape, torture, strangle, and sometimes mutilate 12 or more sex workers in Riverside County, California. In each case, he completely removed one of their breasts. And during this time, his infant daughter will be taken from his custody and his wife's custody due to brain damage and bodily bruising sustained from a beating. An wow. infant. So this, I mean, this, Again. this dude was definitely, I mean... He's a repeat offender. Yeah. I mean, he's just crazy. Seth wow. was investigated for this, but never charged. Like, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. He just wow. He went to jail for 10 years for beating his first infant, and then this one has brain damage and bruising, and you're just going to look into it and, like, not charge him? Jeez, what the hell? I it, Somebody dropped the ball somewhere here. Multiple times. Yeah. Well, when he gets out, his first wife, that his first wife ended up getting off for the murder of the first child because there wasn't enough evidence to prove that she was involved in the beating, that it was mainly just him. So she was scared when he got released from prison because he was threatening her again. And he seems to be like a very like domineering, threatening person. So during this whole time, Suff worked as a county stock clerk and he was most known for bringing his... This is where it gets really weird. Um... He's known for bringing his famous chili to their, their like, work picnics, right? Mm-hmm. And it's even rumored that he put one of the breasts from one of his victims into the Stop. chili. Yeah. No. Oh, I'm not. I'm being very serious. See, this is what terrifies me about chili. I love chili. But, guys, I'm just going to tell you. If you don't it's know what's not, in there. If it's not made by someone you know. Don't eat don't the chili. Don't eat it. I will only eat taste. <laughs> you know, case chili that she makes at home. I well, will not I enjoy it. sent an email back to Valerie and said I was going to make chili for football on Sunday, but probably not now. 
yeah, you got that right. That's yeah. that's terrifying. <laughs> Honestly, if I saw like a piece of a boob floating in my chili, I'd flip out. I'd flip piece out. Piece of a boob. I'm sorry to describe it that way, but I'm just saying that's terrifying. Or any like humanly part, you know. Yeah. No. Oh, oh my god. All right. Anyway. Okay. Didn't they find a chi- uh, like a finger in a Wendy's, in Wendy's chili? chili? And they did, and that made me not want to eat chili ever again. Yeah. So this just makes it even that much uh, more powerful. Well, side here. note, no one should eat Wendy's chili because it's the leftover beef that like they legally can't serve you, so they put it in chili. Are you sure about that? I'm positive about this. All right. Well, yeah. it's good because I don't even want I've Googled want it. it. I don't even want chili, so see, I'm getting disgusted. Okay, continue. Okay. In January of 1992, Suff will be arrested during a routine traffic stop. And on July 19th, 1995, a Riverside County jury will find him guilty of 12 counts of murder after 10 minutes of deliberation. I mean, he was just Well, they made good choices. Charged, yeah. <laughs> like, you are a serial killer, sir. He is sentenced to the death penalty. And he currently resides on death row at San Quentin State Prison. Police now actually believe that he was responsible for the death of over 20 women. Wow. And Valerie, you live next door to him. Oh my God, Valerie. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, Well, thank you so much for the stories. We're glad you survived both the bridge and serial killer stuff. I mean, we love you, but you did scar me with the chili, though. Yeah. But that's okay. (laughs) Thank you so much again. Okay, so the next story we have comes from a listener named Liz. And this one's a little bit long, but it's it definitely delivers. De- this one definitely. This one and the next one, they kept me up the they kept me up a little bit. Really? Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. I grew up in Big Run, Pennsylvania, which is in Jefferson County. The town is kind of in the middle of the state. I come from a large family. I was born in 1979, and I'm the fourth child in a family of seven children and two parents. It's a big, it's a big house. Yeah. We grew up in an old colonial brick house with a wraparound porch. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, being as my mother worked as a nurse and my father didn't work. As a child, my mother described it as my father never fully recovering from the war But this confused me as a child because he looked fine to me. I know now as an adult, my father's scars were definitely emotional and not physical. Either way, my father was an alcoholic and a very mean one at that. So I'm assuming maybe like Korea, Vietnam. Yeah. Growing up, me and my siblings, my five brothers and one sister, felt the burden of my father's rage. It was normal to us, though, and some of my friends had similar situations at home, so in no way did we feel like we had it bad. Now I look back and I just appreciate my mother and want better for my children now. There was one issue with my father's drinking. He was allergic to alcohol. I would be so sad if I was allergic to alcohol. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So he would drink himself sick. Oh, my God. Most days and nights, he would sit in front of the TV drinking beer, with a trash can next to him. Sometimes in the middle of the night, he would knock over the trash can that he had gotten sick in all day and call for someone to clean it up. Usually it was me or my sister, being that my brothers were tired of my father's shit at this point, and my mother was usually at the hospital working. Well, that's a little background on our family. My father died from lung cancer. It was a hard, long, difficult battle. At that time, my mother and father were living in the house with my two younger brothers, who were 16 and 18. 
My oldest sister married and lived on the same street as my parents, as the rest of us hightailed it out there. I was 21 and married and lived in West Virginia. We all came back because a lot was happening. We had to plan the funeral, handle all the affairs. My mother was going to move into an apartment in town with my youngest brother, and to do this, we needed to sell the house. My mother said she couldn't be in the house anymore, so she temporarily stayed with my sister and the rest of us stayed in the house in order to save money instead of getting a hotel. My two youngest brothers, my three older my three other brothers, and two of their wives, my husband and I were staying in the house. The first night we stayed up drinking and smoking and talking about all the creepy things that used to go on in the house and what an ass our father was. There were weird things that took place. For example, my parents went out one night and we were all playing around the house. And my brother Joe, the one which I am closest to in age, he's 19 months older than me, knocked over my mother's vase. We all stopped. We were going to get our asses kicked. We all had the idea that we were going to say someone came in and stole the vase. Stupid, I know. But we picked up the pieces and put them under my brother Joe's bed. When our parents came home, we went running out of the house, screaming that someone had come in, stolen the vase, and we didn't know what else they had stolen, I guess. Our parents ran into the house, and the vase was on the table in the hallway. Not a scratch. Wow. Yeah. Creepy. That is really creepy. Ghostly vase. Like playing tricks on them. Wow. We all got the belt for lying, but we couldn't believe what had just happened. When we were teenagers, a few of us were in the basement partying a little bit, I will admit, and we played with a Ouija board which I know you weren't supposed to do, but it was fun and we were bored. Nothing happened then, but my oldest brother, Ben, said he tried for days to throw it into our trash bin outside. But every time he went to take out the trash, the Ouija board would be laying next to the bins, not inside of it anymore. He said that after a few times, he took it as a sign that he should keep it and he kept it in his room. No, Ben. No, don't do that. I wouldn't even have played with that thing. Oh, my God. We also talked about how happy we were that we were going to sell the house after all the horrible things that happened in it. We went to bed that night without incident. The next morning, my brother was having coffee with his wife before all of us got up, and he went to carry the coffee into the living room, and a shoe came flying out of the room he was about to walk into. My brother freaked out and went into the room to see who did that, and he found no one. He told us all when we woke up. That's creepy. That's scary. That's like, that's violent. I mean, it's definitely like a malevolent uh, entity. I mean, to throw, I mean, the thing with the vase is kind of weird. I can't even explain that at all. Yeah. But I mean, the shoe flying around, like it's, it has the uh, like ability to To move move objects. That's scary. The next incident occurred that night when we were all sleeping. I was lying in bed with my husband in what had been my sister and I's old room when I heard a bang and my father curse. I heard exactly what I had heard growing up my whole life until the day I left. God damn it, will someone come down and clean up this mess? At first I woke up thinking, ugh, not again. That's the last thing I want to do is clean up that trash can. And then I froze because I remembered my father is dead. I ran into the living room where I found three of my brothers. They had heard it too. I couldn't help it. I burst into tears. 
The next morning, our younger brother said that they had heard it before, but never have gotten out of bed to check if he was really there. They shared a bedroom. They had said they've been hearing that since our father had passed away. After that, two of my brothers and their wives decided a hotel would be best for the rest of the trip. Three nights later, I was in bed again. This would be our last night in the house. We were leaving in the morning. We had had my father's funeral. The house was fixed up and ready to go on the market, and we were going to fly out of there. I drifted off to sleep and was woken up by my brother Joe screaming my name. I woke up suddenly and sat up. He yelled my name again, and as I went to go run to him, I was pinned back down to my bed. An icy coldness spread from my face to my legs, and no matter how hard I tried to get up, I couldn't. I tried to yell Joe's name and my husband's, who I knew was sleeping next to me, but no sound would escape my mouth. I couldn't even turn my head to see my husband. I closed my eyes and did something I hadn't done in a long, long time. I prayed. Eventually, the coldness left and I was able to turn my head and move my arm. I woke my husband. I was so scared to get out of bed, I told him to go check on Joe. At first, he was like, what the hell is wrong with you? But then I yelled at him to go and he did. He told me he found Joe in his bed crying. The same thing had happened to him. He said he woke up to me screaming his name like I was in pain, and when he jumped up to get me, he was pinned down, and he started to cry out of frustration because he was yelling my name, but nothing was coming out. He said the second my husband opened the door, he felt the pressure lift from his body. As he was explaining what happened, my husband noticed that the two of us were freezing to the touch. This happened around 4.30 a.m. We didn't go back to sleep. We all left that house and never went back. My sister told me that since the house sold, they've had five owners. The, cu the current owner now has been renting, and the longest anyone stayed has been two years. Wow. That's incredible. That's a crazy, crazy story. It really is, and thank you for the story. And just to kind of shine some light on the, uh, the paralysis, I mean... I had never had anything paranormal happen to me with, with paralysis, but I did have a moment one time where I actually was, I, I must have been startled out of bed. I don't know if it was because maybe I heard a noise from a neighbor upstairs or... Probably. Uh, probably. And I went to try to get up and I really couldn't and my eyelids wouldn't open. I was completely aware that I wasn't dreaming and that I was indeed awake but I could not move any part of me. And I was struggling with all my might to move, and I couldn't. And unfortunately, I'm a stomach sleeper, so it's that much worse because now here I am on my vulnerable. stomach, vulnerable, and I can't move. Um, and I literally was staying, I was probably in that moment for like what seemed like forever. It must have been like maybe five, ten minutes where I felt like I just couldn't move and I was scared shitless. And then after that, I, it, it was like, boom, like someone just flipped off like a gravity switch and I was able to get up and I'll never forget that for as long as I live. That was really terrifying. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, every time sleep paralysis is talked about, it's how terrifying it is. And But something about that story makes me think that what they went through isn't sleep paralysis only because they both experienced it at the same exact time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is completely different. I Because I this... looked into it because I'm like, okay, that's as soon as she was describing it to me, I said, it sounds just like sleep paralysis, like you said, like right. the story you told. But then I would say, okay, sleep paralysis, but the fact that her and her brother experienced it at the same time 
and then they both heard each other calling their names. Well, that's the but thing. But they weren't. That is the key factor that you need to talk about. Because it's not just, oh, even if it was for some crazy reason sleep paralysis, it doesn't matter. Like, they heard each other's voices from across, you know, the different rooms. Right. That's unexplainable. It so, is. I mean, there is, sleep paralysis does, you do see... Um, like hallucinations, shadow figures, people in the room. That's been known to happen with sleep paralysis, but that's that's crazy. This is straight up trickery. I of would a be entity for I, sure. Yeah, and I would be curious to know what time of year this happened because they were so cold. Hmm. Like if that Good happened point. like summer, like that would be so scary. Could you imagine? All of a sudden, they're freezing. You know, freezing. it's like ninety degrees outside, but you're freezing, right, to the touch. Because what it Ooh. seems like when she describes that they were, she felt the cold from her face to her legs, like someone was pressing down on her, right. To, and but but almost playing with them, and it seems like a very tricky thing that's been happening with the vase, with the Ouija board re- reoccurring. Well, it's definitely like a trickster. Yeah. I mean, a malevolent trickster. And throwing the shoe and yeah. like. Something really that really scary. wants them to know that they're there. So, you know, right. be on your guard because I'm not going to stop. And it seems like it happened when they all came back into the house. Because everyone like a, but the one sister was there. Yes. So it was almost like when everyone got reunited, it flared up activity. Right. Also, it could have something to do with the father's death as well. Like a residual haunting. Um, I, I think with the whole him... You know, saying "come over," you know, "come here and clean up my clean up the mess" or whatever. Right, right. That sounds residual to me. Right. But the rest of the stuff that's happening does not. It could be a combination of both. Yeah, like it's a residual haunting, which means just. It's like everything's just like, uh, to my knowledge, I think everything's just played on a loop. Well, not, not you know, not literally played, but you know what I mean. There, there, there are events in someone else's life that just like carry negative overs. events. Yeah, it just carry that- overs. That keep replaying themselves in a house or in a, some type of building or right. somewhere. Like if there was negative activity like a murder, a right. robbery. But in uh, this case you have residual hauntings. And a demonic and haunting is what it sounds like. a very like. intelligent entity. Right. So it's one residual, which could just be the father, but then you have an intelligent entity. And, messing with them. Yeah, and I and I think that um, I maybe you guys will agree with me. I think that when you have, you know, let's say let's say your or, you know your parents um, they live in a house for thirty plus years, and unfortunately your parents pass away of old age. Well, most likely, if they have unsettled business or maybe just because they've spent so much of their life there living, that's where their energy kind of gets encapsulated. In the residence, and that's why you have those residual uh, um, events that take place because someone spends a lot of time there, you know. Right. So I mean, that could be it. You know, that's you know, that's the that's a lot of the uh, the pros theories. But I that's, mean, you definitely have multiple hauntings going on here at once. That is a really it's really like a cocktail. Scary. It's like a paranormal cocktail. You know. I was even I was expecting something to happen with the Ouija board, and I'm surprised it didn't. But then that can just go to show that, like, maybe things that do happen with the Ouija board are, like, hoaxes. Because if there's some crazy activity going on in the house like that and the Ouija board didn't work, that's yeah, interesting. But to say that, oh, the Ouija board is the key to them talking, is that's that's not true either, though. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe this is proof that it's not always the case that this Ouija board 
gives all the answers. Yeah, I could I could agree with that. That was a, that was super. I don't know what I would do if I had if I went through sleep paralysis. I'll tell you what you you won't want to go to sleep the next day because I know I didn't want to. I was right. really afraid if it was going to happen again. Okay, so thank Liz. Thank you so much for your story. You have a crazy crazy set of stories, and we'd be curious to know if there was anything else that happened or. If there's possibly any stories from the people that lived in the house after you. Also, we would like to know the time of year that this was, too. That would yeah. be really nice to know. Just you That know, would be great. I shot, I shot you an email, so thank you so much for your story. That was amazing. And thank you so much for everything you said and being a listener. Okay, so the next story we have is from our listener, James. You ready for this one? Ready. I grew up as a child in New York State in a town about 20 minutes away from Syracuse. This incident happened to me once in my life. I know it wasn't a dream, and I can never explain it. I was about 10 years old, reading a book in bed with a flashlight, and I heard a knocking. I have a sister whose room is next to mine, but the knocking wasn't coming from that wall. It was coming from my closet. I still don't know what possessed me to do this or why I didn't yell, but I walked to my closet and opened the door. Standing there was a man in a long black jacket and long dirty hair. I remember first being eye level with his stomach and it was moving from his breathing. And as I looked up, I saw his face and he looked so angry. I ran back to my bed and held my flashlight at him. Just as I yelled for my parents, the man began walking towards me quickly and just disappeared. They searched the house and no one was there. I never saw the man again, nor did I ever have another experience like that. Weird. What the hell? Weird. Very weird, James. Very weird. James, oh my god. (laughs) Like, if I saw a man in the... First of all, if I heard the knock in the closet, I still wouldn't fucking go to the the other closet door. Never. Fuck that. No. But but to open the door? Oh my god. I really don't even open the door in the apartment. I never answer the door. I hate doing it. I don't know why I have a fear of Okay, I can't even get you to open up the door if we order food. (laughs) Like, guys, honestly, there's times where I'm in the shower and I have to run no, out. No, 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 no. Tell them what you're really doing. <sighs> All right. Okay. Um, I'm playing Overwatch, which is a first-person shooter game for my computer. But there are times, though, that I've been <laughs> doing things that are more important. But anyway, yeah, she just won't answer the door, so I have to go up every time and answer You never know what's on the other side. It's scary. It could be make... uh, this I don't mystery know. man. I'm, like, a very anxious person. I really... This... Well, this story kind of freaks me out. What I what I found terrifying is how real it Usually, like in a scary movie, you open the closet, no one's there. Okay, that's weird. Someone was there this time. Yeah, could you imagine? Just someone No, like, some man, like now you're face to face with a with the person that yeah. was knocking on your closet. What the hell? What the fuck? I that's I, like so I said, scary. If I heard the knock Two things would either happen. I'm waking up, obviously, and I'm running out of my room. Yeah. I don't even give a crap. Now, and then he was like, he saw his like stomach moving from the breathing. Like he oh. had a lot of detail there. Like yeah. he, which means that like he was standing in front of him and just absorbing and then, all of this. Could you imagine like, and then looking up? Oh my God. No, I can't. No, I, I think I would instantly pee my pants. I think so. At, at 28 years old right now, I would pee my pants. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I, I would do. Oh my god! What else god. would you do? But yeah, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, just like that. 
Wow. Which is, it's crazy. But James, I, if you have any other um, uh, details or well, he other said, Yeah, he said nothing that, else happened. That's crazy. I mean, I, I feel like I want to know more. I want to know more. Like, I want to, no, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there either. But I would I watch it on replay. Play. I'd watch it on replay, but I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, that kind of reminds me of this story. When I was in high school, there was a girl that she was in the same grade as me. She was in my government politics class. And she was absent for a few days. And then the story came out that something happened to her in her house where one night, she and this was in 2008, she was in her bed with like kind of like you know like a quilted blanket that has holes in it yeah kind of like know, a, like, like someone quilt like not quilt it like a knitted blanket or whatever so she's texting her boyfriend under the blanket like her head's covered and through the holes in the blanket she sees her closet door start to open no now i know this is like when because when she came back to school we made her tell the story. So this is coming straight from her. She told the story. So her closet door be- is starting to open. She's flipping out. She doesn't want to yell because she doesn't want... I. She said like she didn't want... She felt like I didn't want to let whatever was coming out of the closet to know I was awake. So with her cell phone, she kept calling the house phone. And when her mom would pick up, she would hang up. And then she would call again and hang up. And then eventually her mom came up the stairs because the caller ID said, you know, like it was her daughter's cell phone that was calling and she knew her daughter was upstairs. So her mom is coming up the stairs and as she hears her mom coming up the stairs, she sees a man walk out of her closet and walk towards her bed. What? And I know this is insane. This is the town that I grew up in. This could have been me, but it wasn't. I'm making this about me. It's not about me. No, it's not. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so the mother walks in the bedroom and is like, so her name was Sam. Sam, what are you doing? And the man runs out. Oh, my God. Did runs out of the house. Her mom started screaming. She started screaming. They called 911. The cops came. Um, what had happened was... Both of her parents work, and her mom came home early because she had a doctor's appointment. So she only took a half day at work. They think that the man was robbing the house, that he came, that the mother came home in the middle of the man being in the house, and he hid in the closet. Wow. And that he was trying to come out at night because he thought they were sleeping. Oh, my God. But he was walking towards her bed, she said. And that's the one thing that, like, unsettled her. They moved out of the house afterwards because she couldn't sleep in the house anymore. That's insane. I mean, yeah. who could after that? It's, it was a crazy story. Like, we couldn't. That was the last thing we thought she was going to say so is, happened. is that why you make me check the closet sometimes? No, that's the Richard Ramirez stuff. Okay. That he, he would hide in the closets and wait for his victims to go to sleep. And yeah, I mean, right. he did that a few times, not every time. But he would hide for hours. That's crazy. Yeah. And I just 
don't I mean they moved to the same town so she stayed in town but I would want to I'd be like mom we're moving out of town yeah really yeah it but the guy like he was kind of like a like a vagrant like he lived in the woods he left his shoes in the closet like he peed in the closet yeah hey listen when you gotta go you gotta go well I mean he couldn't (laughs) just go to the bathroom I guess oh man that I remember that's that story gives me the creeps that was bad so one more story that we wanted to share with you is a story that I have from one of the creepiest things you can do as a teenager, which is babysitting. So I worked at a daycare center for a very long time, and we were allowed to kind of babysit the kids that went to the school. And there was one little girl that I babysat for a long time from when she was an infant to when this happens, she's three years old. And we are talking about, I was a junior in high school because I had just gotten my license. And they lived out in the woods, this massive house, beautiful, like floor to ceiling windows in the living room, which were so creepy at night because they only reflected back into the house. Right, so So, you can't see what's outside. Right, that kind of made me really unsettled. And then I didn't want to turn the lights off because that's even more creepy because it's like not your environment. Yeah. So it was weird. And this was their only child. They were an older couple, so they kind of like went all out for her. And the house was a bi-level. So when you walk in, there's two flights of stairs, one going up, one going down. And... If you go upstairs, it's all like their living quarters, like living quarters, like it's like 1800, but it's like their rooms, the living room, the kitchen, the bathroom. And downstairs was kind of like this massive, I guess what could be a second living room, but they converted it into her playroom and they had this huge dollhouse, like this really big dollhouse. And she used to play it like it was so big that she could go into it. Oh, wow. Like it was really cool. And... That's where they had kept, like, they kept a lot of their drinks in that refrigerator down there. So, like, if I ever wanted, like, a soda or something, I'd go down there and get it. So, the little girl, I gave her, we had dinner, gave her a bath, and we usually then after that went downstairs to play for, like, an hour before she would go to bed. And I said, okay, what do you want to do next? And she said, just watch a movie. I'm like, you don't want to go downstairs and, and play in your dream house and she said no i don't want to go downstairs while he's down there oh my god and i what died no. i just died i was like well <laughs> gonna <laughs> die soon <laughs> that's it my life's over at 17 so i call the husband and wife who i'd known for years like i was close with them and i said um your daughter is saying that there's someone downstairs and I know that recently they had had the wife's brother was staying at the house. So like in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, maybe the brother's just still here. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it'd be weird that they didn't tell me he's in the house, but right. maybe that's the case. So I said, she keeps telling me there's someone downstairs. Is there? Is your brother still here? And she said, no, we've actually been having an issue with, with Emily. And she believes that there's someone downstairs in the playroom. And she refuses to go in there when he's there. She says he doesn't like when she's playing. Oh, my God. So I'm like, oh. Um, 
So I was like, okay, I guess we'll just stay upstairs then. She was like, well, if you want to bring a friend over, you want to invite a friend over so you feel better, you can. I was like, yeah, I'm going to call like every single one of my friends to come over right now because I'm so scared. But the house was so far out in the woods that the closest friend that I had there, it, it took her 20 minutes to get to the house. Right. So I called my friends and I said, can you please come over because... I think there's like a ghost in the house and it took me forever to convince her to actually come over because who in their right mind would come. Right. So the whole the whole 20 minutes, I remember sitting on the couch, watching The Little Mermaid with her, staring at myself in the reflection of the massive windows and looking at the stairs, just waiting for like some dude to walk up the stairs. Oh my God, that I must was be terrible. I was so scared. Oh. I was so I was so relieved when my friend texted me that she was there. Oh my god. That was so scary. That's crazy. Yeah. And I did also babysit Saint from the same daycare center. There was a house that someone had gotten murdered in and they moved in. The family moved in. So like it was a murder house. So I remember just thinking the whole time, like, someone got murdered, someone got here. murdered here. Someone got yeah. murdered here. But nothing, they never said anything weird happened there. I never sen- sensed anything weird or felt. I just kept thinking, like, in the in the kitchen, like, someone got murdered here. Someone got murdered here. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah that's, that's crazy. Babysitting is probably one of the scariest professions out there, you know? Yeah. Props to them. Tip my hat off to them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode We know it's a little bit shorter than the other ones. We have a big episode planned for you next week, and we're really excited to bring it to you. So we just wanted to kind of start off October and our creepy vibes with these crazy, crazy stories, and we can't thank you enough for sending them in. They definitely made us lose some sleep. You got that right. (laughs) And final question, John. Would you rather live in Liz's haunted house or live next to that serial killer? All right, I know this is going to sound crazy. I'd rather live next to the serial killer. Really? Only because, I, once again, it sounds crazy, but at least I can possibly protect myself against something I can see. If some, You know what I mean? Then something that I can't see. Right. And that but could, you could do harm But you to could, me. like, real life die or just go through, like, sleep paralysis. But we don't know. You are also not a prostitute, so you're not one of that's his victims. That's true. That's true. So that's another reason. That yes, I know I, I of. Am not, I am not whoring myself on the street corners. <laughs> Don't so, demean their profession, John. I'm They're sorry. sex workers. All right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, I would choose to live next yeah. to the serial this killer. This is one contention we have in our relationship where I want to buy an old house and John refuses because he's convinced that they are all haunted. Yep. They are. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> No one's going to convince me otherwise. I just, okay. One day we'll get you to buy an old house. Maybe. Okay. I think that I would rather, I think I'd rather live in the haunted house because I just don't want to ever be mutilated because that's horrible. And I wouldn't want my boob going into a chili. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) Oh my God, do not talk about boob chili anymore. Hashtag boob chili. (laughs) Boob chili. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to our October Supernatural episode. We appreciate you listening. We also appreciate the Patreons, all of the iTunes reviews. 
please go out and give us an iTunes review if you haven't already. And follow us on social media, True Crime Couple, both on Twitter and Instagram. And that Patreon page, again, is patreon.com slash Couple. And we really can't wait to bring you a heavy hitter episode next time. All right. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Thank you.